Fordham University is starting a new clinic to help entrepreneurs. It was developed to give legal service to startup companies. Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Today I'm in the studio with Bernice Grant, the Senior Director of the Entrepreneurial Law Program. She's also the founding director of the Entrepreneurial Law Clinic at the Fordham Law School. Good morning. Good morning. So Bernice, explain how the Law Clinic will assist startups. Sure. So the Law Clinic is a legal clinic that's housed at Fordham Law School inside what we refer to as a teaching law firm. So it's an incorporated nonprofit law firm named Lincoln Square Legal Services, and it has a number of clinics inside of the nonprofit law firm. So I have come on board to start an entrepreneurial law clinic through which we'll give legal services to entrepreneurs. Students will be working in the clinic and they will meet with clients, they will interview them, they'll do legal research, and they'll draft documents and give the clients advice under my supervision. So you're going to watch them while they offer some legal advice? Yes, that's right. And what kind of legal advice are they going to be offering? So it's really a wide range of legal advice. It really falls into three categories. One is business law, the second one is employment law, and the third one is intellectual property. One of the really exciting things with working with entrepreneurs is that there are so many legal issues that arise and my students will advise them in each of those three categories. So for example, in the business law area, they can help companies think about how to form a legal entity for their company, how to raise money, how to enter into contracts with customers and vendors, how to prepare website terms of use and privacy policies. So that's just a, you know a few examples in the business law area and there are many other examples in the employment law and intellectual property area as well. So if you're going to advise a new startup of where they should start thinking about the legal process, where would that be? So the very beginning of the process is to sit down with them and think about what are their long-term business goals. And we like to think of ourselves as advisors, partners with our clients where we can help guide them to achieve those goals. So one of the initial questions that often comes up is what should they name their business? And we help them think through that question from a legal standpoint in terms of thinking about whether there may be other companies that already exist that have that same name and whether or not that name is available to be trademarked so that they can build up their brand and have legal protection to use that brand without other competitors in the same industry using the same brand. Can we know a lot about that here in New York, like the Ray's pizza fight, you know, who has the right Ray's, R-A-Y-S or right. R-A-Y apostrophe S, you know, right. uh, so something like that can be extremely um, lucrative for someone who has the right name at the right time. Right, absolutely. And we really want to empower entrepreneurs, help them be successful, and help them think about these issues so that they can get ahead of them and not have them you know, make uh, give them any difficulties with getting their business off the ground or with being successful. Now, uh, Bernice, are are there any um, legal issues that the entrepreneurial law clinic doesn't cover that they won't work with? There are a few. In general, we can handle the vast majority of business related issues that come up in the life of an entrepreneur. However. If it involves a patent, that is not something that we handle in my clinic. We do have a separate clinic that handles patents, but my clinic does not because I am not a member of the patent bar. We also do not handle any litigation. So hopefully 
my clients won't get to the stage where they're being sued or suing anyone. But if that does happen, my clinic does not handle litigation. We only handle transactional business related matters. But we do have other clinics that handle litigation, if that's what's going to be your next question. Uh, but my clinic does not. So you do have people that can help them if in areas that you don't. Right. Absolutely. So if a startup is looking for a specific type of legal services, um, why would they come to you as opposed to go to somewhere else? Sure. So entrepreneurs inherently are cash strapped. Most of them do not have a lot of funds. They're bootstrapping their operations. They may be relying on friends and family to help with the financing. And they usually don't have sufficient funding to hire a lawyer. Lawyers are very expensive. And um, that's really a barrier towards entrepreneurs being able to retain a lawyer. So the beauty of a legal clinic like mine is that the services are offered for free. So entrepreneurs can get legal assistance without having to worry about the legal fees associated with that. Now, if there are any fees for incorporating the company or filing for a trademark, we do expect the client to pay those fees. But as far as the time that we're spending giving them legal advice, there are no fees associated with that. So it's a great uh, community service thing where we're giving back to the community and providing these free services for entrepreneurs. So what does your law clinic look for when they are trying to find a new client? We have two factors that we primarily look for. Number one, we like working with low to moderate income entrepreneurs who otherwise would not be able to afford legal services. As I just mentioned, they're quite expensive. And number two, we like working with social ventures that are doing positive things for society. Some of our clients fall into both of those categories. Some fall into one or not the other. But we think that's a nice way to give our limited resources back to the community by working with clients that otherwise could not afford to hire a lawyer or that are doing something positive for society. Can you give me an example of a type of business or a few types of business that would be most attractive? Sure. So right now in New York, there are, of course, many tech companies that are, are popping up. We have a lot of companies that are applying to our clinic that have apps that they're designing. And in many cases, those apps are geared towards doing something that's positive for society and that's redeeming. And we really like working with those kind of clients because they're doing things that are exciting and new, but they're also doing things that are you know, positive for society. So we heard how it's going to help a new startup. What specific skills are Fordham students learning? Fordham students are learning really the fundamentals of what it takes to be a transactional attorney. Many of my students plan to go on to work at law firms after they graduate, and we're really teaching them a lot of the fundamental skills that they'll need to know to do that. So we cover things such as how to interview a client, how to do legal research, how to draft contracts, how to counsel and advise clients. And we also talk about some higher level skills like exercising judgment, making decisions, thinking about difficult ethical and professional responsibility issues. So in addition to the sort of basic transactional corporate drafting skills and so forth, we'd like to also talk about those higher level skills. Um, another example of the higher level skills is the relationship with the client. So we have the students be front and center. They're the ones that meet with the clients and they're the ones that really manage the client relationship. And that's excellent experience for the students when they launch their career so that they feel com comfortable and confident in interacting with clients. Bernice, can we backtrack a little to the ethical issues? Can you give me like a scenario of something mm -hmm. that you would give 
give uh, a student to kind of think about when it comes to ethics in the law? Sure. So one common issue that we see is that a lot of people start a business with the co-founder. And in some cases, there may be one co-founder that's investing a lot of the money and another co-founder that's doing a lot of the day-to-the-day work with the business. And a lot of times co-founders don't think about what will happen if one of them decides to leave the business. So we help them think through issues like that in advance before the issues arise. So, for example, if the entrepreneurs in the business are thinking about splitting maybe the equity, the ownership of the company equally, we help them think about what will happen if they have a dispute and they can't agree. If they each own the business 50-50, that can lead to what we call deadlock, where they're not able to move forward. Also, if one co-founder decides to leave the company, we help the entrepreneurs think in advance about what will happen to the ownership stake of that person. Will they be allowed to leave, say, in one year and take half of the company with them and maybe even start a competing company? Or will we have restrictions that say what will happen to that equity. Perhaps it will become earned, which we call vest, over a period of time. Four years is a, is a common period of time. But to get back to your specific question about the ethical issue, one thing that sometimes comes up is that one co-founder may have interests that differ from the other co-founder. And so we talk to the client, to the students, and help them think through who will be the client for the engagement. Will it be the company as a whole? Or will it be one of the individual co-founders or perhaps both of the co-founders? We generally prefer to represent the company as a whole because we think that that leads to less ethical issues down the line. But that's a it's a good conversation for us to have in the classroom to help students think through their ethical duties that they owe to clients, such as confidentiality and so forth. So, Bernice, what branch of law should a student be interested in studying to be part of your law clinic? So the beauty of my clinic is that it really covers a number of areas of law. I've mentioned business law, employment law, and intellectual property as three of the key areas of law. But there are others as well. For example, tax law. One of my students, I actually just met with her very recently, she's interested in becoming a tax lawyer. So she's working with a really interesting client that is creating a tax chatbot that's using artificial intelligence in order to basically disrupt the tax industry and uh, make it easier to solve complicated tax questions. So I think the clinic is interesting to students who generally want to work with businesses and give them legal advice, but the students often have different interests in terms of tax, employment law, intellectual property, and business, and even beyond that as well. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon discussing the new law clinic at Fordham University that helps startup companies with legal services. I'm talking to Bernice Grant, the Senior Director of the Entrepreneurial Law Program. She's also the Founding Director of the Entrepreneurial Law Clinic. Now, your law clinic is very new. How do you go about outreach for getting these um, businesses to know about this help that you're offering? So I've been doing a lot of outreach. I'm happy to be on this podcast today to, to spread the word about the new clinic. I've been having a lot of meetings with community partners, such as incubators, co-working spaces. I'm also working very closely with the Gabelli School of Business 
here at Fordham. And our clinic is actually a joint initiative with the business school. And our plan is that law students will work in interdisciplinary teams with business students in order to give both legal and business advice to entrepreneurs. So I've been talking to the business school and they've been helping me find and refer clients to the clinic since we'll be working jointly on some of the client projects. And why start this in New York City? Well, fortunately, New York City is really booming right now in terms of entrepreneurship. We have a lot of new companies that are popping up here. It used to be that Silicon Valley was really where students wanted to go after graduating if they wanted to start a company. But now here in New York, we're really seeing a a large increase in entrepreneurship. So it's a really exciting time to start an entrepreneurial law clinic. And I'm really excited to be here to be part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem that's arising here. And we know that New York is a very highly competitive environment. So do you think that kind of helps or hinders small businesses when they're trying to get a leg up? Well, I think in many ways it helps. I think companies that start their businesses here have a lot of people to network with. Uh, They often go to meetups where they can meet other people. For example, some of my clients have met people who are experts in the tech industry at meetups, and they've worked with these tech people to help them develop the technology in their business model. And there are a lot of just really great pool of labor to choose from here. Um, And of course, as the financial capital of the United States, there are a lot of opportunities to raise money here in New York as well. So I think there's a lot of uh, synergies that companies get by deciding to base their business in New York. And what kind of unique challenges do you think, you know, these startups will face in such a highly competitive market like New York? Well, I think as you alluded to earlier, there is a lot of competition. And so one of the things that companies have to think about is what they'll do to really distinguish themselves from others in the marketplace. And I think that's one of the nice things about the collaboration that we have with our business school, because we can turn to our business colleagues and get their advice from a marketing standpoint or a strategy standpoint that can be helpful for clients. So, you know, I think entrepreneurs tend to be very scrappy by nature. They tend to go out there and use all the resources that they can. And I think in a city like New York, it's even more important to do that because there are a lot of competitors that companies are competing with. Now, obviously, you uh, started up this law clinic, but the law clinic is part of a larger entrepreneurial law program at Fordham University. So what can you tell us about the program? Yes. So as you mentioned, the clinic is part of a larger program for entrepreneurship. We have a lot of students at Fordham who are very interested in entrepreneurship. And so the program is intended to kind of be an umbrella that houses the various initiatives and classes that relate to entrepreneurship. There are over 50 classes at Fordham Law law school that relate in some way to entrepreneurship, and we have a few that specifically relate to entrepreneurial law. So the entrepreneurship program is kind of an umbrella for all of that. We also work closely with the Entrepreneurial Law Student Society, which is one of the largest student groups at the law school. They have a number of initiatives planned, including inviting speakers to campus and having an annual conference. So we work with them on that. And I also plan to release a podcast where we will feature Fordham professors, alumni, students, as well as others outside of the Fordham community who will talk about 
current hot topics at the intersection of entrepreneurship and law. So I'm really excited to get that off the ground and to uh, start by appearing here on your podcast to get some experience. <laughs> Great. Um, you have a vast history and knowledge. Um, I can't even begin to go into your background in law. So what really drives your passion for entrepreneurs and small businesses? So I really love working with entrepreneurs who are at the idea stage and then just seeing their ideas blossom. For example, I previously taught at the University of Pennsylvania Law School in their entrepreneurship legal clinic. And I had one client who told my student that the contracts that she drafted for her were life-changing because she had created a business and she hadn't quite figured out how to monetize the business and make money off of it. But after she met with my students and my students learned about her business, my students prepared contracts for her to use with her customers, and that enabled her to start really receiving the money that um, she deserved. And so being able to really empower entrepreneurs, I think, is very exciting. Um, I also think it's great to work with entrepreneurs who may be struggling. Perhaps they've lost a job or, you know, they're in between jobs or they're thinking about pivoting to a different line of work and they're not quite sure they haven't quite found their way. I think it's really exciting to be an advisor for companies like that and see them grow and flourish. Now, speaking of one of your last, uh, one of your former clients, uh, you represented uh, the popular workout company Conbody, which was founded by and provided jobs to former prisoners. So so tell me how that partnership came about. Sure. So uh, that client was referred to be referred to me by uh, a mutual friend, and it's been a really great partnership. I think it's been really inspiring working with Conbody and seeing how they provide job opportunities for formerly incarcerated individuals. As you know, the recidivism rate is so high in this country, and one of the reasons for that is that. Returning citizens often face barriers to employment when they apply for jobs. Now, of course, companies aren't legally allowed to do so, but unfortunately, sometimes that still takes place. So by providing opportunities like this for formerly incarcerated individuals to have gainful employment, I think is a wonderful thing. And it's it's really quite remarkable to see the progress that Cosmarte has made in his business. Um, you know, he recently launched a pop-up studio at Saks Fifth Avenue. And so his journey has been you know, quite amazing uh, that he's gone from incarceration to Saks Fifth Avenue, has a very successful business where he's also giving back and training and employing other informally incarcerated people. So I think, you know, those kind of stories, you know, they're very heartwarming and it really shows the power of entrepreneurship in changing lives. So full disclosure, George Bodarki, my boss, who hosts WFUV's Cityscape, which is a public affairs show that comes on right after this one, he interviewed the founder. Um, and, and this guy, uh, Kaz Marte, he turned to drugs or the drug trade when he was a kid, ran a $2 million a year business, albeit illegal. So when you hear a story like this and you think this is someone who has business savvy, it just was in the wrong area. Um, have you run across any other great stories of people who kind of persevered through some challenging times to start their own businesses? Uh, so I recently uh, became familiar with a company called Start Small, Think Big. They work with low-income entrepreneurs, and they connect them to lawyers who can provide pro bono legal assistance. And many of their entrepreneurs 
went through a program that's offered here in New York that allows people who are in public housing to go through a food incubator program. And that program basically assists people in learning culinary arts and learning how to create a business in the culinary arts field. And they provide access to a commercial kitchen so that people can work in the commercial kitchen space and then sell their food after having prepared it in a kitchen that meets all of the regulatory requirements and so forth. And Start Small, Think Big had a pop-up party that I attended, and I heard a story from one of my friends who's a pro bono lawyer for the organization about an individual who went through the program that I just described, and he recently started selling his food at the new Whole Foods in Harlem. So, you know, it's quite remarkable that, you know, just by getting the opportunity to go through a program like this, it opened doors for him and he was able to launch a successful food line at, at Whole Foods. So I think those success stories, again, really show the power of entrepreneurship in changing lives and how by having access to the right tools from both a business and a legal standpoint, entrepreneurs can really do some very remarkable things. So I'm a client. I have been making my grandma's fried chicken in my kitchen for years. Everyone <laughs> says I should be able to sell it. I want to start my company. I just don't know what I should do. I hear about you on this show, Fordham Conversations. Mm -hmm. I give you a phone call and say I need some help. What advice would you have for me? Well, the first thing I would say is that uh, it's great that entrepreneurs are, are reaching out. We very much love to hear from entrepreneurs and help as much as we can. We only take on clients in the beginning of each semester. That's when we do our intake process. And at that time, we'll reach out to people who applied and assuming that we have capacity and that it's a good fit between the individual and our clinic, we'll be happy to take them on. After that, they will meet with a team of students that will be assigned to work with them. And then throughout the semester, they'll receive legal advice through the clinic. And how long does the whole thing take? Are you there with them for how long? Some clients only stay for one semester, but we have others that we've worked with, with for a number of semesters, especially if they have multiple legal needs. So, for example, Conbody, a client that you just mentioned, was a client of my prior clinic, and he will now become a client of my new clinic. So for companies that have ongoing legal needs, we often work with them for a number of semesters, but with other clients, generally one semester may be enough to get them set up legally, give them some legal documents that will help them with their business, and often that's sufficient for their purposes. And speaking of Combody again, are there particular challenges for someone who wants to start their own business but has had a criminal record? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. They say that uh, people who have criminal records often make the best entrepreneurs because, uh, you know, they're highly motivated and because they often face barriers in the job place, they feel like this is the best avenue for them to really get back on their feet. Now, in terms of barriers, they may encounter, for example, when they're applying for a loan or looking to lease office space, they may encounter some people who may not be as willing to work with them. But, um, you know, there are some programs that are geared towards people who are formerly incarcerated. And if they're able to link up with those programs, they may be able to get extra assistance to to get on their feet and get going.
So uh, I want to ask a couple of personal questions about you, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, and you've been working with entrepreneurs since you were working on your law degree at Harvard. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um, so how did you get started providing advice? Like, where did this come from? Well, when I was a student at Harvard Law School, my favorite class was a transactional law clinic where we provided advice to entrepreneurs in Boston. And that was a really life-changing experience for me because it was the first time that I was in the seat as an attorney, even though I was only a student. And these clients were really looking to me for advice. So I remember I had one client who owned a corner store in, I believe, the Dorchester section of Boston. I had another client who was starting a catering business, and it was really empowering to be able to help them and provide them with legal advice. So after I graduated from Harvard Law School, I worked at Davis Polk for seven years, working primarily on large corporate transactions, receiving really good training from a legal standpoint. And I also worked with some clients on a pro bono basis, though. They were primarily smaller companies as well as artists through a partnership with Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. And that really reinstilled my interest in working with small companies. And eventually I decided to leave the full-time practice of law and go into academia. But uh, working in a clinic such as this one is a really nice way to blend my interest in the law, my interest with working with small businesses, and my business background as well, since I previously worked as a CPA before becoming a lawyer. And you know how exciting, but also maybe nerve-wracking it can be for a new student because you walked in those shoes. Right. So what have been some of the advice that you've given these people who might be, you know, these students who might be a little nervous about <laughs> taking on this, this big job of, at this uh, law clinic? Sure. Well, I tell them, number one, you know, try to form a relationship. At the end of the day, uh, law is a relationship business, and they really should try to get to know their client, get to know their business. I tell them that entrepreneurs, their company is their baby. And, you know, the clients are turning over their baby to us. And so we really need to get to know them, get to know their business so that we that, that the client can feel confident in the student. So I also help students think about how they present themselves in interviews. Uh, we record students and we watch a recording of a mock interview in class. I give them feedback about how they handle themselves during the interview. And we also have students go out and do public speaking. We have them do workshops in the community where they get a chance to develop public speaking skills. And so really, I try to help them build their confidence. You know, they have the legal knowledge, but now they have to learn how to uh, translate that knowledge in a way that's easily understood by people who may not have a legal background. Now, um, you have a background in accounting and corporate law. Do you think that sort of gives you an edge here? Um, absolutely. At the end of the day, when clients come in, they don't really come with legal problems. They come with business problems. And law is a tool that we use to address their business problems, but ultimately they're looking to achieve business goals. And our job is to help them figure out how to do that in a way that complies with the law. So I think having a background in business is helpful because it helps me to understand the basic business environment in which our clients are working. And it also helps me in forging the relationship with our business school because I've studied business before and have uh, familiarity with a lot of the, the business principles. So we really want our students to think of themselves as business advisors. Uh, business lawyers have a bad reputation sometimes as always telling clients no. And, you know, we really encourage our students to say yes, and here is how we can accomplish it. And then talk about how we may need to tweak 
uh, the idea that the client has or make certain changes in the path that they want to take. But ultimately, we can help them achieve their business goals by being creative. Uh, so, Bernice, are there any other departments that you guys work with? Yes, we have a corporate law center at Fordham Law School that is a very well-regarded program with many top scholars. And so our clinic likes to work with them. For example, there's a program called the Transactional Law Meet and the Startup Law Meet that allows students to practice negotiating hypothetical transactions against students in other schools. So we work with the corporate law program on that initiative as well as others. And also, how is the clinic funded? Well, we are very fortunate to provide wonderful assistance from the NASDAQ Educational Foundation. We're very grateful for their generous support. And we also have a entrepreneurial law alumni committee that provides very generous mentoring and financial support as well. So this clinic really wouldn't exist without their the generous support. So we're very thankful to the NASDAQ Educational Foundation, as well as our alumni council. And Bernice, what if you could have, you know, fast track 10 years, 15 years, how large do you see this clinic growing? What would the future look like for you, for your law clinic? Well, in the future, I hope that we'll have more students apply to the clinic, maybe have additional professors teaching in the clinic so that we can supervise additional students. And I'd really love for us to continue working with entrepreneurs here in the New York area and really affecting change in New York by empowering entrepreneurs as well as social ventures. I'm also hopeful that the podcast that we'll be producing that will educate entrepreneurs on legal and strategic issues will be something that's a helpful resource for people who aren't able to become clients of our clinic, uh, but they'll be able to access the resources on demand via the podcast. And for one of those young startups that are now heard this and they want your help, how can they get in touch with you? Yes, uh, they can email me at bgrant18 at fordham.edu. They can also find us on Twitter at Fordham ELC, which stands for Entrepreneurial Law Clinic. And I'll also make sure I put a link to you on our website. Perfect. I'd like to thank Bernice Grant, the Senior Director of the Entrepreneurial Law Program and the Founding Director of the Entrepreneurial Law Clinic. I'd also like to thank my producers, Patrick Russomano and Marina Koff. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.